I'm Steph. And I'm Jeff. Each episode, we review a film that needs screenwriting support. As writers, we'll deep dive into the characters and plot to tell you how to fix this film. Listen at your own risk. This podcast contains spoilers. Now sit back and enjoy this episode of Script Slayers. Steph and I are excited to announce our first co-written novel, The Curia Chronicles, an urban fantasy thriller, will be published in 2024. To learn all about our creative pursuits, and for some interesting facts about the movies we rewrite, please follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Steph and Jeff Writes. You can also check us out at StephAndJeffWrites.com. And now, on with the show. Today, we will be rewriting the 2018 horror film, Winchester. This film was written by Tom Vaughn and Michael and Peter Spierig, and it was directed by Michael and Peter Spierig. It's based on the Winchester Mystery House, which is a real-life haunted house in San Jose, California, that was built by Sarah Winchester to have this confusing labyrinth to uh, confuse the spirits. The film stars Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester, the eccentric widow of firearms magnate William Winchester, Jason Clark as our protagonist, Dr. Eric Price, a psychiatrist who's asked to evaluate Sarah's sanity by the Winchester board, Sarah Snook as Marion Marriott, Mrs. Winchester's niece, and Finn Secluna Opry as Henry, Mrs. Marriott's son who gets possessed by an evil spirit. And the antagonist in this film, are the evil spirits. Jeff, can you give us a summary of Winchester? Sarah Winchester is the widow of famed gun manufacturer William Winchester. Her husband's sudden death and the previous death of their child Annie have left her crippled with grief. Having received more than $20 million in inheritance, Winchester convinces herself that she is cursed by the ghosts of those who died at the hands of Winchester firearms. She begins building a sprawling, never-completed mansion. Sarah's niece, Marion, lives in the house with her son, Henry. At night, Henry is possessed by a mysterious entity. In 1906, the Winchester Company hires Dr. Eric Price to stay at the house and assess Sarah. The board wants him to find her mentally unfit to remain in charge of the company. Eric is grieving from the death of his wife, Ruby, and is reliant on drugs. Eric begins to conduct his assessment of Sarah's mental well-being. Sarah admits her fear of ghosts and believes she can help them move on. Sarah shows Eric that she keeps records of people killed by Winchester rifles. It is revealed that Eric had actually been shot and killed by a Winchester rifle before being revived, that he keeps the refurbished bullet with him. After a few ghostly encounters, a possessed Henry attempts to kill Sarah with a rifle, but is stopped by Eric and Marion. Sarah sends her staff away and decides to personally remove the ghosts from her home. Eric encounters a butler who reveals himself to be a ghost. He and Sarah identified the ghost as Benjamin Block, a Confederate States Army soldier who lost his two brothers in the American Civil War, killed by Winchester rifles. Ben proceeded to shoot up a Winchester office, massacring the workers before being shot dead by police. Ben has been the one possessing Henry. The 1906 San Francisco earthquake takes place, devastating the house and separating Eric and Sarah. In the chaos, possessed Henry escapes his room and is pursued by Marion. 
Eric reunites with Sarah and they manage to trap Ben. He attempts to kill Sarah, but the pair realize that he is scared of the bullet Eric kept. Eric uses the bullet in the rifle that Ben used in the shooting and banishes him. Henry and Marion are saved and the other spirits return to their rooms. Eric pronounces Sarah sane, allowing her to remain in control of the company. Sarah announces her intention to build more rooms to help more spirits. The end. And before we get into this, I'd just like to note, uh, so I, I've heard of this poem. Anyone that's heard of ghosts or any kind of paranormal stuff has probably heard of the Winchester yeah, it's it's famous because it's this elaborate, labyrinthine mansion. It should be no surprise that most of the stories, in fact, all the stories are wrong. They're just made up. Mm-hmm. That she didn't believe in any of this stuff. She was just a, she was just like an architecture aficionado and a perfectionist and had a lot of money. So she just liked to keep building stuff to build oh, things. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't, it wasn't she in real life did not had believe no, she, that was she was not trying to trap ghosts. ghosts or anything like that. And some of the weird things, like the house does have a lot of weird stuff going on, but it mostly has to do with the fact that she would like get an idea for like a room, but keep revising it. Like one one part was like a bell tower, I guess, or a clock tower that she had like torn down and rebuilt like a dozen times because she just kept changing her mind because she was kind of an architectural dilettante. It was just stuff she thought interesting. Well, and she had and so she had, much money. She, she had a ton of money. She wanted with it. So. But that is not a good story. So I understand why we didn't just have something about this woman who was kind of obsessed with architecture's digest and replicating in her home. So there you go. Now, what's wrong with this film other than it being really, really boring? Well, that's my number one thing that's wrong with this film is for a horror movie with some great starting material given all the rumors about the Winchester Mansion and the fact that it was built in this really complex style with like secret rooms and twisty staircases and 13 this and, you know, weird like passageways, right? That there's so much done with this. And... How they made a horror movie this boring is beyond me. Just a bad script. Like, after the first jump scare, which the reason I like horror movies is I love good jump scares. I mean, okay. obviously, plot and script and character development matters. But, but you got to have those jump scares. I love those jump scares. I'm not into the gore, but a good jump scare gets me every time. So there was one good jump scare, and then the others just did not deliver much fright. With all the source material, it was disappointing that they couldn't come up with a better film. And they had Helen Mirren in it, who's an amazing actress. And even she couldn't do much with this script. I, I also found that the house was not as much of a character as I thought it was going to be. Hmm. I mean, one of the things about this house is it's bizarre architecture. And definitely a movie plays into that a little bit. But I didn't find that the, the house should have been like a major like character and like the warped interior should have been like a big part of the action and it didn't really seem to be it was backdrop it was there but i I would have made it much more foreground yeah but so but i think i agree the main thing is this is just a sluggish film you have a good cast an interesting location the premise is fine but it is paced so slowly and nothing happens. Right. I mean, again, there's just one good jump scare and you need more. And I also didn't like, I don't know if this bothered you or not, but I felt the um, African-American ghosts were p- portrayed in a very stereotypical manner. They were like all in chains and the Native yeah. American ghosts were had the feathers. And I didn't yeah. like how they were portrayed so stereotypically. And I thought it was unnecessary to the plot. But, so I agree. 
I yeah, also, okay. I, I, and I'll say, I also didn't, I also didn't like having the one ghost who really tries to avenge all the carnage that the company has spread. It's a Confederate soldier. By not making the person a Confederate, you could have actually had a much more tragic kind of story of your avenging ghost. Having yeah. someone like a more innocent person, but quite frankly, I'm, I'm not really fond of Confederates. You know, it's like you fought, if you fought to destroy the Union and preserve slavery, right? Like it just eh. wasn't a. I mean, they just wanted to make him as evil as possible, I guess. right? To have your your big bad evil ghost. But I but, think if you're really trying to leverage that, oh, this is like the the sins of the past coming to haunt you. It's the thing that gave you your wealth and place in the world, but it's also this burden on your conscience because of all the deaths that it's called cause. I think I'd make that primary ghost if you want to give it a personality make it something more sympathetic yeah they didn't give this ghost a personality right. they made it just they made ben as evil as possible a confederate soldier that's murdered about a bunch of people um and was sad about his brothers dying but there you didn't get much sympathy for this ghost i also felt the film focused on the wrong protagonist in my rewrite i make sarah winchester the protagonist not Dr. Price. Thank you. I actually make Dr. Price the antagonist. So should okay. I jump into my rewrite? Why don't oh. you get into your rewrite? Because okay. yeah, I want to get in, I want to get into this and see what you have. So Dr. Price is the antagonist in mine, not the ghosts themselves. So his backstory is I did keep him as an opium slash laudanum addict. Right. And he's a womanizer. And he has a shady past. Okay. So much darker than what we get in the film. So he kills his wife, Ruby. All right. Because Ruby catches him cheating on her with one of his teenage patients. He likes them young and hot and crazy. Oh, so, uh, yeah. yeah, you're really ramping up the oh, evil on this guy. Nice, nice. He is a sleazy psychiatrist, addicted to laudanum, and also likes to sleep with his young patients. Okay. And, like, teenagers, like right, 15, right. 16, that kind of situation. Um, and so she threatens to expose his drug addiction and his habit of sleeping with his underage patients. And he kills her with a Winchester rifle, he makes it look like a suicide. And he thinks he's gotten away with it. So he kills her, cuts off her body, and buries it in the garden room of their home. Okay. Which comes into play later. Um, So he now is just a tragic widow, shrink for hire, needs money to feed his bad habits. And so the Winchester Rifles Board of Directors... They kind of know about it. They don't know, obviously, about it. They think he is a tragic widow and he just has some, like, he has financial problems because of his bad habits. Right. And so they think he's going to be easy to get them to do their bidding. So they hire him to get rid of Sarah Winchester. Okay. Okay, we'll pay you money. They, they know he's not the most ethical, like, ethical guy, yeah. clearly, because he sleeps with his teenage patients. And so he says, we'll give you money. Just we need you to get rid of Sarah for us. She's causing problems. She's spending money on, you know, her architectural stuff and these ghosts. And, you know, we want to control the board and push her out. He thinks that he this is going to be an easy day for him. He's going to go. He's going to give her a bad bill of health, you know, right, right up in his psychiatric jargon, like that she is 
crazy and paranoid schizophrenic or whatever he wants to label her as. But, but he is no match for Sarah and her ghost. So Sarah is the protagonist in the story. Okay. She's building rooms. So Sarah does feel very guilty about all the people that have died from Winchester rifles. And so she's building rooms um, with the guidance of ghosts to like basically help them find peace and move on. So she builds in the movie we get, I keep this in that she recreates the room that they died in. Okay. And so the ghosts can like have peace with whatever happened and move, move on to the light. Right. Okay. The classic thing. And so the ghosts are guiding her. She does her seances or whatever. The ghosts guide her to build these rooms that they died in so that they can have their exposure therapy, relive their trauma, have peace with it and move on. So Ruby it gets the garden room built. Like she went, that's where she was killed right. um, by Dr. Price. And so Ruby guides Sarah to have the garden room built. And the Ruby ghost wants her revenge because Dr. Price killed her. Right. And he got away with it. And so she is the one that is possessing Henry. Okay. The little boy in this film. Uh, just you know possessed child right classic in these sure. types of films uh, and she is trying to talk to like, Sarah through Henry and she's also trying to get at Dr. Price through Henry and so her hauntings are getting progressively more dangerous and scary as the movie goes on let's have some good hauntings and some jump scare moments and all that on her quest to kill Dr. Price I, I, I have a question Yeah. so with Ruby so it's this opportunistic that Price shows up, that she basically contacted Sarah years ago when she's killed because Sarah is a magnet for people killed by Winchesters. Right. Well, I think the garden room, and, and I, I don't mind it being in, like, the garden room is just finished being built. Like, yeah, it is a little plotty, but... Well, I, I was thinking one thing you could do is that have Ruby make her a bit more powerful and have her actually manipulating the board that she is being much more active about getting price there. Uh, who, yeah, you know, maybe say, so, so something like that. I don't know how, yeah, like, whatever. She's like a super powerful ghost. She does her thing. That's fine if we can figure out how to work that in. But yeah. Sarah becomes suspicious of Dr. Price, right? Like, she, like, as Ruby is communicating to her from the beyond through either Henry or the seances she does, like, Sarah's becoming suspicious that Dr. Price is not just this grieving widow, that he actually, there's something else going on here. Okay. Um, and so Ruby's using Henry to try to speak to her and tell her what really happened, that I was murdered. Dr. Price killed me. Like, right. we get some clues along the way. There's a mystery box. As we get the hauntings and stuff, we're getting clues along the way. Okay. Um, Ruby's teaming up with the other ghosts, like, because she's a super powerful ghost. And the earthquake happens, uh, caused by the intensity of paranormal activity in the area. I know it's plotty, but whatever, right? That's yeah, fine. That, that causes the 1906 earthquake. Um, Dr. Price and Mary. So let's bring Marion in, because Marion's the mother of Henry. So I also have Marion being kind of sleazy in this. So Dr. Price hooks up with Marion and he convinces Marion that Sarah's not well and tells her that she could run the company okay. and have the fortune and the two of them can control the company together. Like oh. he's trying to get Marion to like, she's a grie- grieving widow. Yeah, so yeah. Like, he's trying to get Marion to like okay. marry him so that he can get, and sh- her getting the company and he can get the fortune, right? Like okay. this guy's total jerk in mine okay um so the two of them are plotting to like take over and sarah 
like gets wind of this because they have these listening pipes throughout right. the house. They set that this up in the film so she hears them plotting against her through the listening pipes. Okay. Um and he believes Marion's going to betray Sarah for him. Like he's totally convinced Marion. Um and so while the, after the earthquake happens, they're like trapped in a room together so we have them hook up, right? And he's really working over Marion hard. And Marion's an opportunist too. She sees okay. this as a, you know, a potential win. And so she can have the money and the fortune. And so Ruby is trying to get her revenge still. And Sarah now knows the truth. At some point, there's the big reveal. Like, Ruby reveals to Sarah, like, Dr. Price is the killer. Like, somehow okay. through a seance or whatever, she figures this out, right? So, um, Sarah then convinces Dr. Price. So now that she's in the know, she said, let's... I will prove to you that ghosts are real. Let's have a seance in the garden room, okay. uh, and I will prove to you. And and Dr. Price just thinks it's – he still doesn't think ghosts are real. Like, he's just – it's a coincidence that the garden room looks kind of like the garden room that Ruby was killed in. So in your runtime, would you say – is this second or beginning of third act? Is Are you getting up to the con- – this is the third act this is like so do you have a lot of the one thing is do you have a lot of ghostly action in those first two acts because it sounds like price is still even at this point doesn't believe anything's going on right yeah like he he i mean i get get you have like i'm sorry i just want to understand you have like henry being possessed yeah henry being possessed i do have ghostly action more in the second act okay in the first a little bit in the first you know to, to get up like creepy stuff happening but really the second act we're upping the ghostly action but Dr. Price, I'm trying to keep him as the ghosts aren't real and, like, maybe I'm I, the mind's playing tricks on me kind of thing. The laudanum, like, maybe I need okay. to lay off the laudanum. I, I, I definitely do use his addiction to sure. like maybe he's no, starting that, to that see things. That makes sense. Okay, so getting into the third act, she tricks him to go to the garden room for a seance to prove spirits are real. And Dr. Price thinks he is going to have his moment where he can show her insanity and do his write-up for the board and get convince Marion to marry him and, like, have his great life, right? And take over the company with her. But the seance goes wrong. For Dr. Price, it goes wrong. Like, Ruby does show up, and it's getting real. The truth is revealed. Like, like, like there's no way Dr. Price can say it's just his mind playing tricks. Like, okay. we have, like the big ghost reveal moment with Ruby. And then she possesses Sarah and uses Sarah's body to shoot and kill Dr. Price and Marion. Okay. Winchester rifle, of course. And then Sarah frames Marion as like a grieving widow. Cause she's a, a new widow in this. Right. And that Marion just went crazy and, killed Dr. Price and killed herself uh, because she knew about their relationship. Okay. And that, yeah, so she just frames all that, and then she forges a clean bill of health for herself from Dr. Price. Okay. Um, and she alleges he wrote it before his death, and she lives on to raise Henry in their weird labyrinth mansion house, and she keeps control of the company, and she helps free more ghosts. She keeps building rooms and helps freeze more ghosts, and yeah, that's my ending. So, what did you think of my rewrite? Well, it doesn't sound as boring, I'll say that. I do like the, uh, one thing we both did is, um, 
amp or not amp up, but focus on Sarah mm-hmm. a lot more. I found that her character was a lot of it was just like exposition kind of stuff, and she was just there. She she was even though the um, Helen Mirren is a really good actor, I thought she was under really underutilized in this. It still sounds like there's a, the ghost action is still kind of minimal until the end. Yeah, I mean, I do have some in the second act, like, but right, but it's like and that's one of the things that I really disliked about this movie is that um, I found I just found that the I wanted a ghost story, I wanted more ghosts, I wanted more horrific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. The whole seance, and actually, I do have a seance in mind as well. Although the setting's different, I thought that was good. One thing I don't have, but that you do, and it's an interesting idea, is with Ruby being the catalyst for the goat, the ghost, and that she's actually kind of orchestrating things to get vengeance on Price. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting twist, and it's a nice change from what we get. Also, there, it sounds like you don't get into the uh, what I found was this very strange and unnecessary detail in the movie which is that Ruby could see ghosts or see the dead yeah that was odd there's this and that's why she was having mental issues that her husband didn't believe because she was seeing ghosts which in no way had any impact on the movie at all it was very strange so if you're going to have that, either you have this as just that tragic backstory and have it very straightforward that she was having mental issues and commits suicide, right? Yeah. Great. Or do what you do, bring her in as a real character. Have her as an important part of the story. She was very shoehorned into the movie. Yeah. And I, yeah, that's why I, and I thought she would be the better ghost than this unlikable confederate rando confederate guy ben block yeah and i also wanted to get rid of all the stereotypes um that they had of black people and native american ghosts like i just want i totally took that out of this film so what would you do for your rewrite so mine i go in a bit of a different direction i go more towards a more frightful filled action filled movie i have it take place about 15 years earlier so it's in the 1890s for two reasons one i don't think that the earthquake scene adds very much to this and takes away from what i consider should be the focal point which is the ghost and supernatural although i do like what you did with it that the ghosts are somehow we've it's established that they are one of the catalysts for the earthquake that's kind of paranormal activity the other thing is i want to make sarah much more of a active presence and basically i want to de-age her a little bit i thought of the actors who could do this i was thinking helena bottom carter would be awesome as like a sarah in her oh 50s. she would be perfect quirky for and that. weird and so mine starts out with a workman being killed at the house and that's how we get our introduction and it's right off the bat that uh, I'm not playing around with this. It's right off the bat that there's something supernatural happening. So this workman's killed by a ghost. And in mind, the ghosts have, um, like, there's a central figure that is eventually called the Red Beast. But it's like a mashup of a bunch of different ghosts. So, like, I keep this idea that 
people killed by Winchester firearms, that their souls are restless and gravitating towards this house. I think that's fine. I don't think you need to personalize it like that. And I think having it as much more of a kind of horrific, amorphous monstrosity, something that can take different forms, you get past the whole stereotype in images, and you make it just more horrifying. Sarah knows her place is haunted. She's, but they're escalating. Now they're starting to kill people. So she brings in a group of people. So we have Price. I actually kind of, I like the character and like the actor. So I keep Price pretty much as is. I jettison a bunch of the stuff about the backstory with his wife seeing ghosts and things like that. But he does have that similar tragic backstory that she killed herself and that he's now addicted to drugs and just can't get over it. But I also introduce a few other characters. I introduce a uh, parapsychologist. Uh, I have a medium. And I have a defrocked priest slash exorcist. Oh, fun. And so the idea is she brings them in to... She brings them in to help her clear the house out. She wants to stop the ghost. So that we're, this is like an elaborate cleansing. Okay. Right. And so this is all taking place in the first act. So I, I don't want to waste time building up to it. As I said, we already know from the prologue that ghosts are here. Yeah, so let's sage the house, some holy water, do all the stuff. Right. So the seance part is like that second act, like the pinnacle of the second act, where the characters are all gathered together. So far, no one's been killed, although people will be dying. Yeah, well, there's the worker that got killed. The well, the worker's been killed but of the of the main character's They've seen some ghosts who are trying different things. Uh, we have a budding relationship between the medium, who is a uh, uh, woman from New Orleans, and the defrock priest. So we have some of that going on. Do you have Marion or Henry in this? I do not. Okay. I don't think that they were, because of the way I'm changing this, I don't think that they're needed. So the seance happens, and this is when things really escalate. This is when you see the monster in full it's not presenting as like a individual you see this huge kind of tentacly monster and we lose one of our people we lose uh the parapsychologist he gets killed things are clearly getting worse our team is trying to figure out some way to cleanse the house the priest says what we need to do is an exorcism so we've had our seance with the medium she's tried her thing ends in tragedy that third act is going to be this exorcism so this is more demonic than ghosts right okay. and so the priest tries this but it doesn't work this is where we lose price price heroically sacrifices himself what sarah is doing with the house is that it's not really to help ghosts move on it's an elaborate trap for this thing and she's trying to figure out a way to because she had been she brought them in to try to cleanse it but she'd been building the house to trap these, this spirit, this monster. So the monster just stays stuck in the house versus so going what, right, so what? Right. So what winds up happening is that Price is able to lure it into like this central room where it'll be presumably trapped for eternity, one would hope, until the house falls apart, whatever. But is killed. So is he our protagonist in this or is Sarah? Sarah's the protagonist. Okay. So Sarah, I, well, but I didn't, you can't kill Sarah off. Right. So she is the one orchestrating everything. She is the one who has, obviously, is constructing this house. She's the one who realizes the threat this represents if these, this thing ever gets out. Mm -hmm. She's hoping 
because of the escalation that these other people she's bringing in can solve the problem, not just uh, trap the creature. But it fails. Got it. And that's basically how it ends. So it ends with uh, our uh, the priest and the medium leaving, having failed to stop this. And with Sarah realizing this is her, the rest of her life, this is her mission is to protect the world from this thing. Okay, so it's much more of a dark horror movie. And I really want it more horrific. So there'd be, like I said, the ghosts would be much more graphically, like gruesome creatures. Um, the deaths would be very graphic. But I just want something more horrific. I want a horror movie. Uh, the house itself, I want to be more of a character. So even though that's, it's a cage for this entity... The creature also can manipulate reality within the house. So that's where some of these like stairways to nowhere and stuff are going. So is it kind of an MC Escher right. type situation so, where like you go up one staircase and then all of a sudden you're in another part of the house, but you're trapped in a room with no door, that kind of weird stuff. Right. So basically the have the characters have to interact more with the house and with its oddities and that it's dangerous as well. Mm-hmm. The one thing I wasn't concerned about and I, I left it out of the rewrite, but I had also thought of having like a few other, like some of the servants and things in there so we could have a bigger death count, basically. Because I just want this to be like the opposite we got, which is a boring, sluggish, melodramatic, not scary film. I just want to go the other direction, do like a complete, like, you know, gory, R rated, scary ass. Victorian era horror movie. And you also set up the potential for a sequel because like you could have another crew come in and try to cleanse the house. Right. As the this um demon ghost monster thing is getting bigger. There are a few things I did like in the film. As I said, I like the basic concept. I, I do think it's a fascinating house. I think that idea of the Winchester ghosts coming back is fine. I just think that we both agreed that what they did with it was not interesting. They took a cool location and a potentially interesting story and then made the blandest film they possibly could. Well, it's like the writers thought the location was enough to carry the film and they didn't have to put too much work into character development and plot. And no, obviously the location was not enough to carry this film. So... Is this a watch or don't watch for you, Jeff? I, I have it as a don't watch. It's just too dull. It's too dull. Mm-hmm. I barely, if I, if I had not had to watch this for this episode, I would have turned it off after about 20 minutes or I would have fallen asleep. One of those. It is dull. Agreed. It's a don't watch for me as well. It's a not a scary horror movie and there's not enough other interesting elements to keep you hooked in. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Script Slayers. We will see you back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to Script Slayers. Please join us in two weeks when we rewrite Bird Box. Script Slayers is a production of Steph and Jeff Wright's Media. Reproduction of this podcast without written consent is prohibited. All rights reserved 2024.